every American citizen must have an equal right to vote. The administration of elections is primarily a state and local responsibility. Whether you voted for the very first time or waited in line for a very long time, by the way, we have to fix that. Hi, and welcome to High Turnout Wide Margins. This is Brianna Lennon. I'm the county clerk in Boone County, Missouri, and with me is my co-host. Eric Fay, Director of Elections in St. Louis County, Missouri. And today we're really excited to have Derek Tisler from the Brennan Center here to talk about their recent recommendations and best practices for New York City Board of Elections. And uh, we always ask our first question to Derek, which is how did you end up working in elections in the first place? So I got interested in elections initially because I'm a data nerd um, and elections just have so much, you know, fascinating information that tells you about the people and communities, what they have in common, what they see as the biggest priorities, the biggest challenges facing society, uh, and then what role government should play in all of this. Um, and then diving into that data was sort of I guess, a gateway for me into the rest of elections, you know, the rules that guide how people can vote and uh, the institutions that carry out the administration of elections, and then the impact that elections have on representative government and on the choices that our leaders make. So for me, after college and throughout law school, I worked with a few different organizations that focus on elections and voting rights. And then I came to the Brennan Center, uh, where I've had the chance to really study, dive into a whole range of issues related to election administration. Um, and that includes work here in New York, where I now live and where the Brennan Center is based. Can you take a minute just to kind of explain how the New York City Board of Elections is structured? Yeah, and this is one of the areas where as we started digging into comparable structures across the country, uh, we found out just how much of an outlier the New York City Board really is. Uh, so the New York City Board of Elections is led by a 10-member, evenly split, bipartisan commission with two members from each of the five counties in New York City, right? So we essentially have members appointed by 10 distinct local party organizations in New York, or sorry, nominated by those organizations. Uh, because two political parties from each of the five counties. And even that, just that short description is is kind of dizzying. Uh, there is no one else in the country that has such a large and diffuse leadership structure. And then from there, that commission appoints a executive director and a deputy executive director, again, from different parties. Uh, and they lead more of the day-to-day -day operations of the of the agency. Um, but a lot of the decision making is still sort of reserved for this board of part time commissioners uh, to the point where we've heard about the board of commissioners kind of interfering with day to day operations and especially around staffing sort of saying, you know, you, these are the people you should hire, uh, you should interview this person, um, kind of getting in the way a little bit too much of a full-time executive director being able to do their job. 
Um, so that that's kind of the high level overview of of how the the city board is structured. It's a little bit distinct from every other board of elections in the state of New York. Um, every other board is led by two commissioners, uh, one Republican, one Democrat. Uh, many of them serve more in a full-time capacity. Um, in some of the smallest counties, that's essentially all the full-time staff that's in the office is just those two commissioners. Um, but they have a much larger role in the day-to-day -day operations of the organization than what we see in New York City. So Derek, this report that the Brennan Center put out about, I think the title of it is How to Fix the New York City Board of Elections. I have to say, I found really interesting from a personal standpoint here in St. Louis County, we have a somewhat similar structure for our Board of Elections where the board is you know, half Republican, half Democrat, and people are, uh, you know, have to be hired in equal numbers based on political party and so forth. And a lot of what I read in your report, boy, it hit really close to home, especially when I started, you know, over a decade ago at the Board of Elections, and you had to know people, you had to be related to people. And frankly, in my opinion, it, it did not serve us well. Uh, we've tried to uh, eat, eat away at that system over the years, and I think we have more or less. So with that in mind, I mean, I think it's obvious to most people who might be listening, but what prompted you all to really dive into this and want to want to look into the structure of the New York City Election Board? So first and foremost was a deep sense of frustration among voters here in New York. I think if voters are talking so much about actual election administration, it probably means that there's something going wrong, right? Uh, I think both of you would, would know better than anyone that uh, when things go right, it, it kind of just fades into the background a little bit and people don't actually notice all the hard work that goes into running an election every year. But here it seemed like every election there was, there was something new going wrong. And those things had a real impact on people and their ability to exercise the right to vote. Um, and then also just their confidence in election administration. And even more frustrating than things going wrong, because, you know, things can always go wrong when you're trying to pull off something as big as this. But it felt like there was never a clear explanation of what happened uh, and then what would change in order to make things better in the future. And, and it really became apparent for people in New York that the problem is a systemic one and an institutional one. And it goes far beyond any one individual, one policy or one decision. You know, you can go back decades and you can find the same editorials, public statements, reports, all complaining about the same types of things here in New York. Um, but then after the error during the mayoral primary, uh, when the agency mistakenly counted over 100,000 test ballots and included that in the unofficial results, it just felt like people hit a boiling point. Uh, and it, it suddenly felt like election administration reform was not just something that people perpetually complain about here in New York, but something that, you know, people and even public leaders really wanted to address. Um, and then I think one other thing that that played into us uh, really wanting to take this deep dive is the national setting and the broader efforts that we see to undermine the integrity of election administration. Uh, and after the incident with the mayoral primary, you know, you had the same bad faith actors who said that the 2020 election was rigged, pointing to New York, 
saying, look, if this city could accidentally count over 100,000 ballots, why couldn't it help elsewhere? You know, why are you saying that our claims are lies? And, and of course, this is all ridiculous. Uh, New York City was always going to catch those inaccurate numbers because just like every other election office in the country, uh, there are safeguards in place to check things, to double check things, to triple check things and make sure the final count is accurate. But in a world where disinformation travels so fast uh, and people are looking for any reason to cast doubt on elections, I think people in New York are aware of the outside spotlight that is on this state and on this city. Uh, and so that that is for us what really motivated this project uh, and trying to take advantage of the interest in reform and really consider how we can be doing things different here in New York City. It just is so interesting to me that New York is so blue and most of these recommendations are things that the legislature should do in a context of things that Democrats would care about, making sure that we have good voting rights and things like that. What do you think is the biggest hangup that's preventing systemic things like that when it seems like it would be a very easy thing to do? Yeah, I, I think a big part of it is, you know, kind of what you were alluding to in the beginning, Eric, is the entire election administration system is, is built around not just bipartisanship, but really the political parties guiding every decision that, that gets made. And obviously those same political parties are involved with, you know, who gets to go into the city council and into the state legislature. And uh, even in a state where one party generally controls things, it doesn't mean you're suddenly without party divisions and without uh, political interests, certainly. In, in New York, so part of the state constitution demands some level of bipartisanship and election administration, but it doesn't actually go as far as people think it does. And it doesn't quite go as far as uh, what the state legislature has mandated for election commissions here in New York. So the constitution essentially says that for certain job functions, and that's registering voters, distributing ballots to voters, and counting votes. There needs to be representation uh, equally from both of the largest parties in New York. And that's really all it says. And it's actually state statute that has then expanded that much further to basically say that every job at an election agency needs to have equal representation of both of the parties. Um, and there's also in the Constitution, it talks about commissioners being nominated by representatives of the political parties, but it also gives a lot of discretion to the state legislature to actually define the real appointment process. And it doesn't say that parties have to have the final say and that, you know, local legislatures just need to rubber stamp whatever candidate that they put up. Um, so I think when you talk about what has blocked reform here in New York, a lot of it is just political motives. Um, political parties have a real interest in predictability. Uh, they want to know that the same voters are showing up election after election because new voters are wild cards and they don't know how they'll vote. Um, so I think that's one part of it. And then I think there really is this, uh, this, this big 
misunderstanding about what the state constitution actually requires uh, when it comes to uh, really party control over agency operations. Recently, there was, a, I think, a local New York City TV station, or I, I can't remember what the outlet was exactly, but they did a, a multi-part series on, on this topic. They interviewed a number of people from the election board in New York City, and the responses of those people were, like I said at the beginning, really hit close to home with me. When I interviewed for this job as director here in St. Louis, one of the things I said was that in the county highway department, we don't hire highway engineers based on their political affiliation. In the county parks department, we don't hire horticulturalists based on their, uh, who they're related to. But at the Board of Elections, we do. And this is crazy. Uh, we need to stop. But it's this mutually beneficial dynamic that you kind of describe that because it's because the Democrats and Republicans get kind of an equal shot at this nepotism and patronage, they don't want to end it. And uh, at some point, you need some courageous people in the levers of power that are willing to kind of put a stop to it. But it never ceases to amaze me when folks like that are interviewed and they defend it when they're confronted with it. And they say, you know, your, your son, or your daughter has, you know, been hired here. Well, that's fine. They're qualified. They can work here. And the fact that anybody believes that that's okay is astonishing to me because as a manager, it puts, it put, they should know that it puts their managers in, the such, in such a bad position that some relative of somebody on the board uh, is working under them. It's an untenable position and it ultimately leads to issues. And we saw that here in St. Louis too. So I'm, I'm wondering if you all have identified any method by which you can kind of circumvent the normal decision-making process on how the election board is structured and appointed. Is there an initiative petition process in New York City or New York State? Or, you know, I, I don't know what it would take, but it, it just seems so ingrained there in the political culture. And it would take probably an extraordinary measure to change it from what it seems like. Yeah, I think there is certainly this sense of complacency among many people and, and definitely a sense of this is the way we do things. <laughs> you know, this is the way that New York City has always operated. But the recommendations that we make in this report are all things that the state legislature can do tomorrow. Uh, we essentially take the, the state constitution as a given, not that it couldn't be changed. Uh, New York has actually passed several constitutional amendments on elections just in the past few years. There's a couple more on the ballot next week. Uh, so that's certainly an option there if, if it, it turned out that even larger scale reform was needed. Um, but that's not an excuse for not doing anything right now before the next election. And even looking at the, the overarching system that the Constitution creates, there are so many things that we think would be beneficial that would make New York City's Board of Elections more like the other agencies that you referred to, uh, where this sort of partisan patronage hiring just doesn't happen normally. It's not a good way to run a public agency, uh, but also bring New York City more like its counterpart jurisdictions. You know, when we, we talk to 
election officials in Los Angeles and Chicago and Maricopa County and some of the other largest jurisdictions, they conduct nationwide searches for their top executive staff. They're trying to find someone who has election experience, who can step into the job day one and know how things operate. And that's just not a process that the New York City board has ever used before. Again, you can go back four decades and find op-eds and papers demanding that the New York City board conduct a nationwide search for its executive director. And it just doesn't happen. And that sort of trickles down throughout the entire organization. For most jobs, there is never any sort of public posting. There's never any information about someone from the public, you know, we, we saw in 2020 kind of this, this huge surge of people interested in elections, interested in democracy. We saw this in the poll worker space. Uh, New York City had a tremendous increase of young people who wanted to work at the polls, be a part of democracy. If those same people said, this is what I want my profession to be, I wanna work for democracy every day, they wouldn't know how to get a job at the Board of Elections because there's no sort of public posting, information about job responsibilities, information for the types of candidates that they're looking for. Um, so a lot of these things, which I, I think just feel like really common sense ideas, that was, that was part of our realization as we were writing this report is kind of how small a lot of these things sort of feel interviewing uh, a broad set of candidates and evaluating them on clear objective criteria. That's something that any functioning organization, you know, private, public, whatever does, but, but it's just not something that we see here in New York City. So there's a tremendous amount of change that we think can happen right now that the state legislature can mandate for New York City, even keeping in place some of the overarching structure around bipartisanship that the Constitution currently requires. Have there been any instances where there's been any traction with people that are currently there, or is it really an isolated board? I mean, could this be something where maybe this could be an election administrator-led charge as well, where, you know, they're bringing them into the fold? I don't really know. Yeah, I think it will be difficult to see the the leadership at at uh, at the New York City Board of Elections really taking the charge on reform. I, I think there are certainly some areas of reform that we've heard a ton of agreement support from um, leadership uh, at the New York City Board of Elections, but then at other boards of elections across the state as well. I think there has been a strong desire to uh, see better training, for one example. So training is not actually required for commissioners in New York. Many do still attend statewide training. One thing we see in some of the smaller counties is that their legislatures don't provide them the resources to be able to attend training. Um, and so without that requirement, they won't go there. And we've heard that from some of the New York City leadership as well. Training is one area that has a lot of support. Uh, we've also heard from, you know, staff at the Board of Elections who want to see the organization run differently. They want to be evaluated based on their job performance, their expertise, their knowledge, 
not because they know someone at the political party or they worked for X or Y campaign. Um, so I do think we see some support there. But overall, uh, this, this needs to, one, come from the public to really demand change here, demand a, a higher level of service in their democracy. Um, and, and then we need, you know, state leaders to take the charge on this. And we've seen some of that now that I think has us feeling really optimistic. So the state Senate uh, held a series of hearings over the summer to hear from voters, advocates, election officials across the state about what challenges exist, ideas for reform. Um, so the state Senate now is, is working on some legislation that they think would address some of these areas. So there is definitely interest, but it, it does, it takes a level of political courage to, to shape up the system that everyone in the state legislature is there because they were elected in the current election administration system that New York has. And so it does, it takes a level of courage, um, but it really uh, requires putting the needs of voters above political considerations. Um, and I'm hopeful that something can happen here in the near future. I want to um, go back just a second to what you were talking about, change being pushed by voters and things like that. And one of the things that I think is tricky is voters only know what they experience. So it's not like there's a critical mass of voters that have voted in other places and now have come to New York City and now see, oh my gosh, how come this isn't working the way that it should? What do you think has been, I mean, there's obviously been a lot of attention paid to the mayoral race and things like that, but you had mentioned that you saw kind of an upswell. What do you think is triggering it at this point? Like, is there so much attention on elections right now that people are saying, oh, we don't have to do it this way. There are alternatives. I think that is a huge part of it. There really is a, a lot more discussion around elections across the country um, and kind of getting a bit more into the details of how elections really operate, how states differ. And one aspect of New York City having such uh, an outsized spotlight, you know, there are a lot of media institutions in New York um, is that even if you've spent your entire life in New York, you kind of have people telling you that things are different in New York um, because people are paying attention to New York and people are saying, this is not the way that things work in a lot of other parts of the country. And then there are obviously a lot of people in New York City, myself included, uh, who came here after living in other states, having different voting experiences. And it's the same thing. It, it just, it feels different. It, it feels harder to get information about uh, how I want to vote, especially last year when I was looking for, you know, alternative voting options to stay safe, keep my community safe. Uh, it was harder to sort of get that information um, that I needed. So I, I, I think that is a, a really big part of it. There is a, a bigger national conversation about election administration. And that conversation is helping to highlight the differences between New York City and New York State and the rest of the country. And I, I think there is this certain 
willingness uh, among people in New York that they they want New York not just to have functional election administration, not just to meet some sort of minimal baseline. They want New York to be a national leader, I think, and and what it means to invest in democracy and what it means to protect democracy uh, in a time where it feels like so much of those ideals are under threat. Um, so I, I think that is that's part of it too. People are people are pushing the bar a bit higher, but I think for good reason. Uh, and I think New York is capable of delivering that with political courage. Election administration statutorily is only changed when there are big problems. I mean, we look at Florida in 2000, and there are other instances across the, the country where some structural issues were brought to light because of a very close election. And I wonder if part of the issue in New York City and New York State, perhaps, is that at least on a national level, uh, New York, you know, it doesn't have a close result for president or U.S. Senate, things like that. I wonder if that's part of the issue. And I, I wonder if some of the issues that maybe came up last year, like New York State's kind of strange requirement about how absentee ballots are, are counted, you know, after the election, that took a long time. I wonder if some of those things are are pressuring uh, New York State legislators to finally do something different. I think that's right. Uh, I, I think it is, as I said, this feeling of there is something every election. It feels like every single election, uh, there is some sort of error, some sort of um, kind of embarrassment for New York City. Again, getting back to the role that New York plays in the national conversation about elections. And it, it, it just feels like a sense of being fed up. Um, and it is this, this sense of, as you said, so often changes happen, fixes happen in response to the last problem. And there's a, a real feeling in New York that everything is just trying to address the last problem, but the last problem won't always be the next problem. You know, and there needs to be a a concerted effort to to anticipate problems, put in solutions ahead of time, put in backup plans in case something goes wrong. And it feels like that doesn't happen in New York City often. And I, I do think a guiding thing in, in our work and our research and our recommendations was to make sure we kind of stay at that 10,000 foot level. We, we don't wanna make this about any one particular issue. We want this to be about treating the underlying disease, not the symptoms. And that's why we really focus on uh, the structures in place, the processes in place. How do you go about putting people in charge of the New York City Board of Elections? What do you prioritize in putting those people in charge? Because I think that's one of the biggest things that we learned from talking to places across the country. People are the most important aspect of an election system. You need people at the top who care about the work that they do, who prioritize the interests of voters, and who establish a culture of impartiality, of professionalism in an agency. Um, and if you have that at the top, it, it will trickle down throughout the entire organization. Um, and so that was, that's really what we looked at, is, is getting well-qualified people into these positions of power 
training up the people to make sure they're they're set up for success. We don't want anyone to be set up for failure. And if you get those basics right, if you get the fundamentals right, it's going to address a lot of the problems that will arise in each election um, because you have a, a plan in place to address those problems or again, because problems will always come up in every election to address those problems, to put in place a backup plan, to recover from those incidents in a way that doesn't disrupt people's uh, ability to cast a ballot and have their vote counted. In several of the recommendations and talking about training and the need to do very particular types of training, like the law on voterless maintenance and planning for polling place operations so that you know wait times can be removed. I think a lot of the time it can be perceived that these are intentional and malicious decisions. Uh, and there is sometimes a nuance that because there is so much involved in elections administration, needing that training can look very similar to malicious intention. Can you speak a little bit to if you've written it in that manner to kind of, because I can see how if you present it in a, you know, you're making bad decisions can make things very defensive, but in a more positive light of saying, you know, we don't think you're doing this on purpose. We think that you just need more resources. Is Was that a, a did you do that on purpose in writing this? Yeah, that was absolutely a a goal of ours and something that we went, wanted to get across. We do not mean to attack any individual who is working at the Board of Elections who, you know, we know most of them work incredibly hard, especially last year, had to go through just unbelievable challenges with COVID, with high turnout, with um, the sort of rising political temperature around elections. This is a hard job. And pulling off an election, especially one like last year when it was some of the highest turnout we've seen in a century, that's an incredibly difficult task. Um, so we, we never wanted this to be uh, an attack on those people's integrity, the work that they put in to ensure that people can vote. But at the same time, this is uh, true far beyond election administration. Anyone in any job needs to be given the tools and the knowledge required to do that job. Otherwise, you're, you're setting them up for failure. You're setting them up to be attacked for mistakes um, that honestly might not be their fault if they were never properly prepared for that. Um, and I think this is Again, when I spoke to uh, this, this broad agreement that New York needs better training, required training, this is kind of the message that we got, uh, both from people at the leadership of boards of elections, as well as in lower staff, uh, uh, or lower staff positions. They want the tools to do their job. They love their job. They want to meet the needs of voters, but elections are complicated. Uh, there, there are a lot of moving pieces and everything ends up centering on, you know, one particular moment every year. Um, so I, I think that was certainly our approach. And 
something that is is widely supported among the people who work in elections here. They need more training, more hands-on training. They need to feel like they are prepared to carry out things uh, normally, uh, to address things when they're going right, and then also to address things when they're going wrong um, and learn how to uh, recover from those instances. Do you all foresee at the Brennan Center following up with this particular issue and then maybe expanding out to the structure of election administration in any other parts of the country? Because while, you know, Brennan Center's in New York City, you mentioned the, the particular issues in New York City, but they're not necessarily isolated to New York City. I do, yeah. Uh, this is something that, uh, that I have a ton of interest in working more in. Um, I feel like this research just brought up a lot of new questions, uh, a lot of new things to consider. I, I think the actual mechanics of election administration has been overlooked for a long time, both among advocates like myself, um, but then also policymakers in state legislatures um, and in Congress. And there's a lot that I feel like we don't understand. So on our end, you know, the, the next step kind of sticking in New York is to uh, expand this project really statewide, look at some of the counties outside of New York, uh, and then also the State Board of Elections. So we're in the process actually of researching for that report and drafting recommendations there as well. But a huge goal of ours in shaping this report, the New York City report and this, uh, and this next one, is bringing in that, that comparative uh, perspective and bringing in our experience from working with different uh, election systems across the country. Um, and so it really was a broader effort to understand normal operations, understand best practices, understand you know, these different procedures and structures in order for us to develop our recommendations for New York um, and understand how New York is different. Um, but I think there is a lot there to, to have a broader discussion about um, election administration structure across the country. Uh, and it's certainly something that we, we hope to play a bigger role in um, in understanding. And I think one of the most interesting things when we first set out on this report, um, we wanted to start with the basic question of how you evaluate election administration. So essentially, if New York City was underperforming, how would we know it? And there is not really any agreed upon definitive metric out there. It's difficult to measure. You know, many people will point to things like turnout or registration rates because those are easy to measure. Uh, and it's, it's nice to have like a nice clean number that you can compare. But those metrics are only in part affected by election administration decisions. You know, a huge part of that is is voting policies in the state, and maybe more importantly, is the political environment of the city, of the county, of the state. As, as we discussed, you know, relevant for New York City is that it's simply not competitive for the presidency or really for any general election. The only time you get any real competition in most places in the city is during primary elections. So that obviously has a huge impact on turnout and on people's urgency to cast the ballot. So we kind of found that no metric really exists. 
And that's why we kind of guided our research by seeing what is different about New York City uh, with the understanding that if New York City is really this outlier on so many different aspects of administration and we're seeing this pattern of errors, I think you, that tells you that reform is needed in the city. Longer term, I think we do want to uh, dive into those questions a little bit more of how do we evaluate election administration? Uh, what models, there's no perfect model of election administration, but what aspects of it really are best practices that we think other places across the country should consider? And definitely looking forward to expanding that research further in the future. All right, everyone, that was high turnout, wide margins. Big thanks to Derek Tisler from the Brennan Center for talking to us about New York Election Administration. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you listen next time to High Turnout, Wide Margins.